Welcome to the Pastor Nick Santo podcast, a podcast designed to help you live closer to Jesus. We hope that God uses it to encourage and empower you in his plan for your life. Now let's get into today's content. We're in Daniel chapter 9, so please, if you're not already there, we'll have our Bible study uh, now. Uh, I remember I remember the very uh, first time I used a cell phone. I was in uh, high school. The year was 1996. And I uh, had made a plan to go and surprise my girlfriend at the time, whose name was Georgia, this beautiful young uh, woman who was a year older than I was. And so she was the big college girl, and I was still in high school. And I wanted to surprise her, but the plans had to be intricate. It required the use of a mobile phone, and it was still in a time when probably about 3% of the population had them. So I borrowed one from a friend of mine. His name was Chris Mitchell. It was a Nokia 5180. It was about the size of a cordless phone that, uh, that you would have in your house, you know. And, and I just remember doing that. And it was very touchy because she was up in, in Potsdam at school. And service in those days, service coverage was not anything like it is today. And so it was kind of like, you know, a gamble of whether or not there would even be service at the time in order for the plan to come about and the whole thing. But we've come a real long way, haven't we, with cell phones, you know. And I remember, uh, you know, kind of over the years from that time until now, how, you know, coverage maps and signal strength has kind of grown, you know. And so uh, there was the days of Nextel when everybody was walkie-talking everybody. And then there was like when 3G came around and it was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible, the quality and the coverage and the whole thing. And then when the iPhone advanced, then there was 4G. And now this is like the newest thing and you got to have the latest devices that can support 4G. And now it's almost not even, you know, something that we even think about anymore. And they're even talking about now introducing 5G, which is like, who even knows what what 5G is going to be capable of allowing us to do in the speeds of data transfer and communications and all the rest, you know. But do you remember, and it still maybe happens sometimes, but it's way more seldom when you're on a phone call with somebody and the signal kind of breaks up and you know it's coming because you start catching like every other syllable. But sometimes what happens is that it only breaks down on one side. You ever had that happen? Where you can still hear the person who's talking and talking and talking and talking, but they can't hear you. You know, and you know that any minute the signal's going to drop out and you're trying to tell them. You're going, hey, 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 hey. And they can't, they can't hear you. So they're just going and going and going and going. I remember one such occasion, probably about 10 years ago, that that happened to me. I was in my house, and I was on the phone with a a, a believer, a Christian, Pastor Nick, on the phone with believer whoever, and and, and, and that ha- I could still hear him, but he could no longer hear me, and I tried to tell him, but he couldn't hear me. That was to no avail, and when he finally realized it, he started ranting curse words <laughs> because he thought that the signal was lost, you know, so he was so frustrated that he had been going and going, and I don't know if he thought I hung up on him or, or what, but, but, but I just thought, you know, poor guy has no idea that I can still hear him even though he can't hear me. You know, and that's something that is kind of seldom in these days. We don't really experience that too much anymore. But I believe when it comes to our spiritual communication, you know, our desire to hear the voice of God uh, from another realm, our 
desire and ability to see things that are invisible with a spiritual eye and perception and discernment that God gives to us. There is a line of communication that exists between the physical realm that is ours and the spiritual realm that is God's that we are also a part of. And there's communication that happens between the two. And the best is when the signal is strong and there is both a a feeling of connection as we pray and also a sense that we're receiving and hearing what God has to say to us. Unfortunately, it does also happen, doesn't it, that one side of the communication can break down. I believe that God is always speaking. He's always wanting to communicate. He's always wanting to make us understand and know his will for our lives, his word for us in a given situation or for a day or for a season of our lives. But sometimes something happens on our end and there's a static or there's a breakdown in the signal or there's something that goes awry. And though God is speaking, we're not necessarily hearing. And so tonight, as we conclude our our study in this thing of hearing God's voice, I want to look at a man who had a very close connection with God and who really knew how to hear from him. This man, this prophet in the Old Testament, whose name was Daniel. Now, Daniel, the prophet, was extremely unique among the prophets, and probably in some ways he was the most relatable of all the prophets to you and me. He was prophesying in a secular world. He wasn't in Israel. He was actually a citizen of Babylon, which was the most godless place on the planet in his day. He also worked a secular job. He didn't operate within the four walls of a temple or a school of prophets. He was actually part of the administration of the government of Babylon. That was his role, his responsibility. He was probably salaried in that position. And so in that way, secular society, secular job, but he had a singular devotion. And that is that he was fully God's. He was completely uncompromised. In fact, as you look at Daniel and what the Bible says about him, he's probably the only, if not one of the only, people that we see in the Bible of whom there is no recorded sin at all. There's, that doesn't mean he didn't sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know he was a man just like us. But the Bible is faithful to record the mistakes and errors of God's people so that we can learn from them. And concerning Daniel, there was none. And so secular society, secular job, singular devotion to God. And he heard from God in varying ways at different times. So as you read through Daniel, you realize that Daniel heard from God specifically through dreams. It tells us that in chapter 2, verse 19, that God spoke to him through dreams. He also heard from God through his thoughts. God communicated to him through the thoughts that were coming into his own head. Sometimes when I'm trying to uh, express to people something that I think God is saying to me, just so that I don't sound super spiritual, like like I have this direct line that nobody else has, I'll, I'll often say that, I think God is speaking to me, but it's coming out of the same speaker that my thoughts come out of, you know, and that Daniel, he recognized that he says it in chapter four, verse 18, that God spoke to him through thoughts. God also spoke to Daniel through visions or mental pictures. 
There was times that Daniel just saw things. It was almost like there was an imagination. There was a picture in his mind, but he knew that it was from God and he wrote it down and it proved true prophetically. It actually was from God. God spoke to him through visions. God also spoke to Daniel in a way I wish sometimes he would speak to me is that he actually wrote something on the wall. Don't you wish God would do that? You know, it says that in, in t- chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, there was actually a hand that appeared, wrote something on the wall, and Daniel knew the language that it was written in, so he was able to interpret it. God, please do that more often. I need that kind of clarity, you know. And then uh, also, Daniel heard from God by personal visitations from the angel Gabriel. Now, that's also quite a privilege. I would like that too, God. If you want, at any time, just give me clarity. I would love a visit from Gabriel. And, and Daniel was privileged enough on two occasions uh, to have Gabriel, the same angel that announced the birth of Christ to John the Baptist and to Mary. You know, that angel came to Daniel and communicated to him. So Daniel heard from God very regularly and in varying ways. Now, that might discourage you as you hear that, and you would say, well, I'm no prophet. I'm certainly not sinless, so that doesn't give me hope. That actually robs my hope because it makes me think, well, I'm never going to hear from God that way. No, 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 no. Listen, it shouldn't take away your hope because what we also see is that Daniel struggled sometimes to gain clarity on the message. That it wasn't that he just always heard and always got it right, right away. There were times that there was static in the signal. What Daniel did have that you and I also can have is that he knew how to strengthen the signal. And what we see in these two episodes that are here in chapter 9 and then what followed in chapter 10 are two episodes where God wanted to communicate with Daniel And yet the message was fuzzy. It wasn't perfectly clear. But Daniel did some things that strengthened the signal and caused him to get the complete message. And those are the same things, and it's the reason why it's here, that you and I can grab a hold of and that we can employ so that we can strengthen the signal, as it were, of hearing God when it seems that things are static or fuzzy. And so let's look at chapter 9. And let's see, we're not going to go verse by verse through two chapters. Don't worry, we're going to pick up the highlights and you guys can fill in uh, the voids on your own as necessary. But notice what it says in verse 1. It says that in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, so there's the time stamp, I, Daniel, understood by books... The number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And so here's the setup as Daniel's about to tell us about this revelation that he received from God. Is that it began at a time when Daniel was reading his Bible. That he was literally studying the written scroll of a prophet who had lived some 50 years before his time. The prophet Jeremiah. And Daniel, as he was going through and just reading the Bible, there was something that triggered a thought which connected two events which translated into the real world that he was living in at the time. And he realized that what he was reading was relevant to his experience now. 
And so it triggered in him a curiosity. And that curiosity caused him to dig deeper. And as he connected dots of scripture and connected them with experience in his life, he realized that God wanted to do something, but there was more information to be gained. And so I want you to hear this and don't miss it because the first thing that Daniel did to strengthen the signal is that Daniel gleaned. And if you're taking notes tonight, you can write down that word. That's point number one tonight is that Daniel gleaned. You say, well, what does that mean, that Daniel gleaned? The word gleaned is actually a shepherding term that was used of shepherds that would allow the sheep to just go out in the fields and graze. And so a grazing sheep would be gleaning. As they would just walk along, they would take a bite. They would chew it up. They would keep going, and they would just glean in the fields. And that concept was grabbed a hold of historically by Christians for hundreds of years as a reference to our practice, your and my practice, of just reading the Bible on a regular basis, of taking in the word of God, gleaning from God's word on a consistent and habitual basis. That's what it means to glean. And what's amazing to me is that this man, Daniel, who knew how to hear from God and who was being used from God, still felt it necessary and vital in his own life to be reading the word of God. He was reading even people that weren't very far behind him as far as contemporary in writings. And as he gleaned from the word, things stirred in his heart that connected to his life that caused him to realize that God wanted to speak to him. Now, in terms of my own experience, what I have found is that when God wants to speak to me, he usually begins there. There's something that I'm reading in the word as I'm just gleaning through, maybe going through a one-year Bible or just consistently going through devotions. Maybe I'm studying, maybe not. But God somehow has a way of causing something to jump off the page and get my attention or pique my interest. And as I think about it or connect it with other things or compare it with other passages that I've been reading recently, it starts to stir something in me and I realize, God, you're trying to tell me something. And God speaks through his word enough to give me hope, but not quite enough to give me clarity. In other words, I realize that there's something he wants to say, but I don't have the whole picture. And so I've gleaned, I've realized he wants to speak, but I know that there's more. And so Daniel doesn't stop with gleaning and understanding the facts of what's going on in his day. He needs to know what to do. And that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of times we gain knowledge as we study the scripture. But the the, the disconnect happens when we want to take that knowledge and now translate it into action. Okay, God, I know something. But how is this real in my life today? Or why is it that you're speaking this to me? And that's what Daniel does second. It's what's next. And if you're writing down, you write it down. Is that Daniel goes. He, he doesn't just glean. He goes. Goes where? Watch verse 3. He says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. He says, I set my face to seek the Lord my God with Prayer, that means talking to God, and supplications, that means specific requests, things that I am asking of God. Now, what Daniel knew from reading the word 
is that God wanted to tell him something that was significant to his life, and not just to his life, but that was going to be significant for the future of world history. He knew that what God wanted to say was important, not just for him, but for everyone else around him. And thus, he set his face, meaning that he stopped looking at everything else, and he directed his full attention towards God by prayer and supplication, and then he describes for us the intensity or the intentionality with which he went. Notice what it says at the end of the verse. He says, by prayer and supplications, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. With fasting and sackcloth and actions. Now, if you ask the question, how did Daniel go to God? The answer is, he took a cab. Okay? And you say, what do you mean Daniel took a cab? Daniel did three things that he knew were essential to making his connection in prayer efficient or powerful. Number one is that he put away his comforts. That's your C. It says that he put on sackcloth. You know what sackcloth is? It's like a burlap sack. It's probably the most uncomfortable clothing fabric you could choose. And so he took off his hoodie, the thing that he loved wearing with his coffee and his devotions in the morning, that made him so comfortable and able to settle in. And he said, you know what? If I am comfortable, I might be distracted. So I'm going to remove my comfort and I am going to put on sackcloth. It's scratchy and I'm going to allow that scratchiness to remind me that my face is to be set in a certain direction. He got rid of his comforts. The second thing that he did is he set aside his appetites. Not only did he put on sackcloth, but he also fasted. And fasting Traditionally, it just means to separate yourself from your appetites. And that could be food, but it could be anything. We feed on all kinds of things. We feed on the scroll of a social media. We feed on it. We feed on the pictures. We feed on the posts. We feed on the gossip. We feed on, you know, and and it could be that. It could be anything. It could be recreations or hobbies. But he knew what it was for him. And he said, I'm going to separate from the things that I'm drawn to for this season of giving myself to prayer because I know God wants to say something to me. And then finally, he also forsook uh, his beauty. He says ashes. Now, for those of you that are are cosmopolitan-minded, you know, how many of you have an ashtray in your beauty box? You know, that is not something that you typically would wear. You know, it means he put aside, well, he didn't wear mascara, but maybe he wore hair gel. I don't know. But what he did is he said, I'm going to even forget about shaving. I'm going to forget about showering. I'm not going to do anything at all. I am going to cover myself with ashes. And so I'm going to put aside my comforts, my appetites, and even my beauty. And I am going to pursue what it is that God wants to say to me, the completion of the message, because I know that it's just that important. And it was that important. One of the, it, what this does is that it teaches us something from someone who knew what it meant to seek God and, and to hear from God. It teaches us that when Daniel went to pray, that he was very serious about receiving an answer, answer and not just curious if God wanted to, to visit him. He knew it was serious, and so he took it very seriously. And one of the, the things that I have found in my own life, and probably that you have too, is that desperation 
breaks through barriers that complacency sometimes can't. And sometimes when I seek God complacently, meaning, okay, well, I'm just going to lift this up. God, I think you might be saying something to me. And as I go throughout my day and just do everything else that I was going to do anyways, if you want to confirm your word, you know. And, And sometimes the answer comes, maybe the answer doesn't come. But Daniel understood that what God wants to say to me now is of so much importance that I need to hear what it is at the expense of pushing everything else to the margins in my life and tuning in directly to what God wants to say to me. I had a conversation with my, my father this week, uh, and, and something that he said really uh, got me thinking. And, and one of the things that, that I've, I've realized or experienced in my own life is that uh, to, be, to be satisfied oftentimes breeds complacency in my life. Can anybody else relate to that? That if you kind of have what you need, and you know, the, there's, just, there's enough money, there's enough food, you have enough free time, you have enough resources and energy to do, you have enough health, you have a tendency to become more complacent. What I've found is that sometimes satisfaction can almost be a tool in the hand of the enemy to cause me to miss out on something that God might have for me. There's complacency that breeds in me an apathy to the seriousness of the things of God. And so I was talking to my dad, and my dad said something very interesting. He's older, he's retired, he was uh, a stockbroker, he did pretty good, although he doesn't, you know, he lives simply, so I have no idea. He could be like poor, and I wouldn't know it, or I, I, I really have no idea. But one of the things he said to me was this. He said, he said Nick, he goes, my peers, and the people that I, I, I talk to, he says, we do not worry about if we're going to have food to eat or if we're going to be taken care of or if we're going to have money to pay the bills uh, or, or even if we're going to have the right health care. He says, the, the people that I'm close to, that I'm around, we don't worry about any of that. He says, but we can't sleep at night because we're concerned about what gaining those things cost us in terms of not preparing the next generation. He said, we can't sleep at night because we're looking at our kids and we're looking not only at the world that they're growing up in, but we're looking at the values that they have adapted while we were busy doing what we were doing. And and, and we're up at night, not worried about if we're going to eat. We're worried about what did we not do? It's not what what are we going to have. It's what did we not do while we were worried about what we were not going to have. And he said it was a big mistake. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 37, I think it's right around verse 25, David said this, and I want you to listen to what he says, because this is from God. He says, I have been young, and now I am old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Meaning what David is saying, he's like, look, I have been in the faith for a long time, and I have never seen God not provide for the basic needs of his people. He always does that. Now, what that tells me is that if I choose to be, I am free from concerning myself too much with making sure I have everything I need in this life and for my comfort. Because God says, I've got that, and thus I have the permission to give myself to more important things that translate into what happens in future generations. Now, that choice is mine. I can still stress about, am I going to have enough? Am I going to be able to retire? Am I going to get the proper health care? Am I going to have enough food? Is there going to be enough money? Can I pay the bills? I can do that if I want to. 
But at what expense? If I work a thousand hours a week and take on everything I can and compromise my values, and then I sow that into the up-and-coming generation, I might find myself one day saying, wow, I have enough, but look what I'm leaving behind. I might be leaving a bunch of money, but I've left no values and no legacy. See, when God wants to speak to us, God has something in mind that he wants us to do so that we can leave a mark of significance for his glory on what we're leaving behind in this world. And what Satan does is he gives us just enough to be comfortable so that when God might want to speak to us, we say, ah, well, I'll put it on my list, but things are pretty good. And I don't need to set aside anything and really seek God for what he wants. But listen, there will come a day when the bulk time and, 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 and portion of your life is passed. And you might look at all that you've accomplished and say, I've got it, but I'm not satisfied because I feel like I missed the greater reason why God put me on this world. I survived. I had what I wanted, but I feel like I missed his call and his purpose. And Daniel is an example of one who not only gleaned and heard, but then he went and he said, no, God, I am not going to miss an opportunity to receive from you a revelation that is going to change the known world and for all of history be recorded as something that people can look at and know where they're at in world history. That was what was at stake. He could have missed it. He didn't just glean. He went to God and he went with seriousness to him. The third thing that Daniel did that we can also do is that Daniel then grieved. That's the third word. You can write it down. The third point is that Daniel grieved. We're not going to read the verses. You can read them on your own. But verses 4 all the way through verse 19. Daniel began confessing the sin of his generation, the sin of his people, and he incorporated himself into it. Even though there's nothing recorded concerning anything that Daniel himself did wrong, yet he grieved over the sin. He used words like making his confession. He talked about the sin and the rebellion of his people. He talked in verse 8 about the confusion that they were feeling because they didn't know the will of God, and it was because of their own sin. That word speaks volumes. Anybody in here tonight just feel confused in the portion of life that you're in, that you don't know if you're where you're supposed to be? Daniel said, that's what we're feeling. We're feeling confused, and we need clarity. And he just confesses his sin and calls upon the mercy of God for all of those verses. You say, why is that such an important ingredient in what Daniel was doing as he was trying to gain clarity of what God wanted to say to him. Here's why. Psalm chapter 77, verses 18 and 19. Listen to what God says. It says, The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Now watch this. He says, Thy way is in the sea, and your path in the great waters and your footsteps are not known think about that verse leave it up on the screen for just a minute listen to god he's saying listen my path that i'm calling you to follow is not a path on land that's clearly marked out and easy to follow my path is actually in the waters you ever try to follow a path in the ocean that's pretty hard because the waves are constantly moving the ground I think probably the most vulnerable position a human being could be in is to be in the middle of the ocean and 
All you have is the sun for your guide. And God says, my way is through the ocean. I'm the only one that knows the the way that it's going to go. It's in the great waters, and my footsteps cannot be known. In other words, if you don't have a clear connection with me, your chances of following the path are very, very small. You're not going to find it by accident. You have a 1 in 360 degree chance of getting it right on any given day, and it might turn and you not know it. So what's the point? What's the connection? Here's what it is is that when there is sin in our lives, what it does is it clouds the waters. It removes our ability to see. It causes confusion in our hearts and in our understanding, and it breaks the connection in the sense that there's static, and it causes us not to hear from God. I know in my own life, when I'm not right in my spirit, if there's something in my life that shouldn't be there, or if I'm out of of order in a certain way, there's, there's marked things that happen right away as I lose my desire to even care about the things of God. I lose my confidence to believe that God's going to speak to me. I stop praying because I don't have confidence that God's going to answer my prayer because I know I'm not living in the right way. And there's this whole host of things that happen in my life when I'm sinning against God and it just clouds the waters. It just leads to wasted time. Now, the way to clarify cloudy waters is through confession. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what Daniel does. He says, listen, I need clarity. I have confusion. And so I'm going to do what I can to confess the faults in my life and in the society that's around me and hope that God will pierce through the haze of this cloud and communicate his word. He grieves over the condition of his defiled state and soul and God answers his prayer. So he gleans, he goes, he grieves, and then he receives an answer. And you could read it again on your own. It's verses 20 through 27 and it's really one of the most remarkable passages in the entire Bible because God answers Daniel's prayer with such specificity, such detail that he tells him what's going to happen in the future for his people according to days. His detail is in days. In this many days, this is going to happen. And in this many days, this is going to happen. Oh, and that happens to be the first coming of your Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's the most detailed, remarkable prophecy in the entire Bible. That was the message that God wanted to communicate to Daniel all along. It started with the prompting in the word. It then was followed by a serious seeking God for details for clarity in the message. And then confession of sin to clarify it. And then God immediately gave the answer that was clear and specific. Now, I hope for your sake and for the experience of your relationship with God, I hope that you're asking God for specific answers to your prayers. Because we serve a God who deals in microatoms. He deals in things that are so small. The details with which God deals are so little. And the way that he's able to communicate to us is far beyond what we give him credit for. We think, well, God speaks in the abstract. He leads in the clouds. And it's kind of this, maybe we find it, maybe we don't. Maybe I heard him, maybe we didn't. But God answers specifically when he answers. And you can see it in the Bible over and over again. The answer comes quickly. Now, listen. You say, well, that's so easy. But not really. And here's why. 
Because the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, Jesus actually said it. I want you to hear what he said. He said, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it will be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that has, to him shall be given, and he that has not, from him shall be taken, even what he has. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, listen, got to know something. Is that if you hear, if you really take the steps to listen to what God is saying, and seek him for what he wants to do in your life, and you begin to receive, it's not going to stop there. Because to you that hear, more is going to be given. But sometimes when the more is given, the size of what's given increases, the stakes concerning what is given increases, and the intensity of the battle to hear what God is saying increases. And thus the resistance increases and it can be harder to hear what God has to say. And that's exactly what happens to Daniel in chapter 10. See, in chapter 9, it was easy. He heard, he fasted, he asked, he confessed, he received. Now, chapter 10, watch what happens. Chapter 10, verse 1, second testimony. Daniel says this. He says, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing, and he had understanding of the vision. Now, what Daniel does in verse 1 is he gives us a summary statement of the whole experience. He said, hey, listen, God had another message for me. And it was a lot more complex than the first message was. But I did get the message. However, it didn't come as easy as last time. Watch verse 2. He says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled. So here's what Daniel is getting at here. He's saying, listen, God let me in on something. He said, hey, Daniel, I got something to share with you. Daniel didn't have the whole message, and so he did what he did before. He went to God with fasting, with intensity, with intentionality. He said, God, I'm going to receive this message from you. Only this time, it didn't come quickly. This time, it took three weeks. And it was an intense three weeks where Daniel was waiting and waiting and waiting for the answer that would come from God. And it seemed as though there was silence. There was nothing there. This is, by the way, number four. The fourth thing that Daniel did that increased his ability to hear from God is that Daniel grew. And that's number four. You can write that down, that word. He grew. Meaning that he realized that it wasn't always going to be as easy as it was the first time. Do you guys realize that God is in the process of growing us up? The Bible says that we were once babes in Christ. When we were born again, we were babes in Christ. But then the Bible says that we pass through a stage called childhood, where we're tossed to and fro and we're trying to figure things out. But ultimately, God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. And as we grow from babes to children to maturity, the intensity of what it is that we're seeking God for and how it is that God communicates with us increases, and things aren't always as easy. We understand that as parents, don't we? When my little daughter was little, and she cried, I could pacify her with a pacifier. It was easy. It was very simple. 
now she's older and it requires an iPhone. <laughs> and that's a lot harder. You know, I realize that as she grows, it's different. So the communication, there's more at stake. It costs a little bit more. And so it is also as we grow in the things of God and as we're hearing his voice, there's a current of his kingdom that we're getting swept up in and we're realizing that it's not about our life on earth. It's not about what I just need to get by or if I'm going to survive. God has me here for a reason. And so I'm growing in my purpose. And so I need to set aside myself and I need to seek him with intensity and expect God to come through even if it takes a little bit more time than it used to. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, it says this. Paul wrote it. He says, For when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I'm known. Paul's saying, as I grow in the things of God, I have to stop acting immaturely as a Christian. And I need to do what I need to do in order to walk in the ways that God has prescribed for my life. And for Daniel, that meant if it takes three weeks, it's going to take three weeks. If it takes three months, it's going to take three months. But God's got something to say to me, and I'm going to set my face towards him until I hear what it is, because I know this is the reason why I'm alive, and I don't want to waste my life. And so Daniel sought God with intensity. You know, one of the things that you learn when you're a parent is that you do what you got to do, right? That's what we do. If our kids are up at night, we're up at night with them. If our kids have need of something, we provide for that need. That's our role. That's our responsibility. And we do it sacrificially. We do it in pain. We do it in weariness. That's the call of being a parent. And listen, if God has placed you and I in the world for such a time as this, then if God has something that he wants to say and then do with our lives, then we grow up to a point where we do what we have to do. And if that means that we grow up to a place where I'm going to set aside my comforts, my appetites, and my beauty, and seek God intensely for what he has for my life and what he wants to do with my life, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Daniel did. He knew it was essential. Well, it leads to number five that Daniel did, and that is that Daniel gripped. Not only did he grow, he knew it wasn't always going to be easy, but Daniel gripped. Watch chapter 10, verse 11. Watch this, because the answer finally does come. It says that he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For unto you am I now sent, and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. So the answer finally comes. Daniel encounters an angel in this instance. And then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel, watch this, this is important, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard, underline that in your Bible, that from the first day that you started praying to God for the thing that you are seeking him for in your life right now, from day one. Your words were heard from God, and I am come for your words. Now, I'm sure Daniel is thinking, what on earth took you so long? You heard it on the first day. I haven't eaten in three weeks. I'm hangry. What have you got to say to me? Here's the answer. Verse 13. He says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days, three full weeks. 
But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And now I am come to make you understand what will befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is for many days. In other words, what Daniel didn't know was going on in invisible realms, in the interim, when he wasn't hearing from God, and yet he waited patiently, is that there was a spiritual battle. The forces of God's light were being resisted by the opposing kingdom of darkness, and there was a battle going on in an invisible realm that was hindering the message from coming to Daniel. You say, oh my word. What does this imply about what is going on in invisible realms all around us all the time? Listen, this is, this is life. And I don't know if you've ever felt that battle going on over your house or in your house or over your church or in your church or over your mind or in your mind. But there is a spiritual battle that's taking place. And listen, the more important... The message is that God wants to communicate to you, the more resistance there will be in seeing it played out. No, no, let me say it this way. The more impactful the path that God is going to lead you on is going to be, the more resistance there will be from the kingdom of darkness because the kingdom of darkness doesn't want to see progress in the kingdom of light. And so if you're not experiencing an answer to your prayer, don't let that be a sign to you that God's not listening or that God's angry or God's upset, but rather let it be a sign to you that what God wants to say to you is of that much importance that there's a kingdom of darkness that doesn't want you to get that message. And let that cause you to press in even harder and even further. The angel says in verse 20 and 21, it says, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I have come to you? In other words, is the message clear yet? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece will come. But I will show you that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holds with me in these things but Michael, your prince. In other words, listen, when I leave you here, Daniel, now, I'm going back into another battle. Because the kingdom of God is rolling and the plan of God is unfolding. And it's going to go on and on and on. And what he's basically saying is, do you understand the message today? Because there's going to be more tomorrow if you're still in this game. And the word of the Lord to you and I is this, is that our lives are not about us. But we have the privilege of being a part of what God is doing in the day that we're living in. And we have a specific fingerprint to leave on the kingdom of God as it affects this world. But let me ask you this morning, in clo- this, morning this evening, in closing. How strong is your signal? How strong is the signal, the lines of communication that are open between you and God? Maybe you're here tonight and you're 1G. Maybe that's your signal. You're a gleaner. Well, I read my Bible every day or when I feel like it or when the app is there, it's open. I'm a 1G. I'm a 1G hearer from God. I get the promptings from the scripture. Maybe you're 2G. Maybe you're one who gleans and you'll pray about it. You'll say, God, if you want to do something in my life, you know, whatever. Maybe your signal is 3G. You'll glean, you'll go to God, and you'll even grieve. You'll say, God, the message isn't clear. I know you want to say something to me in my life right now. And And there's an impurity, there's a confusion in me because of the clouds. And I know what it is, Lord. I've spent too much time in this, or I've given myself to to something that has has grieved your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm sorry. I I don't want to waste my life or waste my time or waste my opportunity. Cleanse me of my sin and forgive me. Maybe you're 3G. Maybe you're 4G. Maybe your signal is up to that point, you know, where you won't just glean, you don't just go. But you'll also grow. 
You say, God, you know what? I've, I've been in immaturity long enough. And I know that you want to take me from the place where I am and take my eyes off of the here and now and raise them up to things that are higher. And take me out of the temporary and my eyes off of what my life is going to be at the end and help me to see, Lord, where your kingdom is going to go and what baton is in my hand that I'm going to hand off to someone else. And, Lord, I'm willing to pay the price of growth in my life. Maybe there's a 5G. Maybe that's your signal, your 5G. You say, Lord, I'm going to hold on. And no matter what it costs, I'm going to put aside my comforts, I'm going to put aside my appetites, I'm going to put aside my beauty. And Lord, I am going to hold on to what you're trying to communicate to your servant for the sake of what it's going to mean in the ages to come. And regardless of the resistance that comes from the kingdom of darkness, God, I'm going to grip and hold you. And I'm not going to let you go until I hear, until I have it, until it's clear. So I ask you, how strong is your signal? I borrowed this. This is not mine, but if any of you know what this is, this is called a blue shield. And what this does is if you have this on your body, it actually protects you from cell phone signals reaching you. You can put your, they make other ones that are cases that you can put your phone in. You know, they're basically made for people that are concerned about the exposure to microwaves. And, And here's what I see in the kingdom of Christendom is that I see that there are some Christians that have literally put themselves in a case like this. Is they say, you know what, I want to be saved, and I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to be too fanatical. I don't want to get into this, oh, I'm hearing God, and, you know, and, and, and I'm be one of those people that say the Lord spoke to me, or, or God. I don't want to go there, you know, so I'm going to slip into one of these sleeping bags, you know, and I, I want the signal to be soft. You know, I want it to be there when I want it. I'll pull it out. I'll put it in. I'll go back and forth between airplane mode and, you, you know, 4G, 5G. You know, I don't, I don't know. I ask you tonight to ask yourself the question, why are you here? Why did God make you? Why did he give you the talents and the desires and the drive and the gifts and the abilities Why did he put you in the family that he put you in or the society? Why are you an American? Why do you have money? Why are you good looking? Why aren't you good looking? (laughs) Listen. Hey, (laughs) I live there. (laughs) Listen. God didn't make you for you. It says that we exist for himself. It says that it's the good pleasure of his will to reveal the purpose which he purposed in himself for us and that he created us for good works that we should walk in. And if there's a calling and an election and something that God wants to do in your life, are you going to waste your time just living for you? What we've learned over these weeks is that God has a plan and God knows how to communicate and he wants to communicate in your life. And tonight as we close the message and we close the series, I would just invite you, if you say, you know what, I am 1G. I am 2G. I am in a sleeve. I don't know if I want... Listen. What's it all for? Maybe right now in the presence of the Lord, the presence of His Spirit, the presence of His church, you would just stand and say, Lord, I want a stronger signal. I want to be more completely devoted to you. God, I want your word to be so clearly heard by me. And if there's anything busting up the signal, if there's anything, Lord, in my life that's causing me not to hear from you, Lord, I want to go further and deeper, and I don't want to waste the privilege and the opportunity that you've given me. 
Father, I pray for those that are standing here and I join with them myself. And Lord, we make it our request tonight. Oh Lord, that you would forgive us for the ways in which we've become self-absorbed, the areas of our life where we've become compromised and thus we're confused. And the places, Lord, where we've shut you out through unbelief or we've doubted you, even maybe because of our own sinfulness. And tonight, Lord, as a body collectively, we want to profess fresh faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us on the cross. And we want to ask you, Lord, that you would remove our sins from us and cast them as far as the east is from the west. That you would turn us away, Lord, from the patterns, rhythms, and habits that have caused us to stop hearing your voice. And that you would draw us again to the place, Lord, where there's intimacy, where there's communion, where there's true fellowship. And that we would really know you know your purpose and your plan. So would you hear our prayer tonight, Lord? Would you receive our prayer and our repentance? And would you help us, Lord, to hear your voice again? For we believe and we know, Lord, that we've been placed in this planet for such a time as this. So have your way and do your will in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together and worship our King. Thanks for joining us for the Pastor Nick Santo podcast. To regularly receive these teachings, be sure to subscribe so that you can get it automatically when it's released. If you find this material helpful, please share it and help us get the message of Jesus out to others. We also appreciate your feedback. So if you would, leave a review in iTunes or email us at pastor.nickpc at gmail.com. Until next time, may you continue to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus.